Welcome to the Vital Voices podcast, Power to Empower series. 2020 was supposed to be the start of a bold new decade. Instead, unprecedented global crises have radically shifted our reality and have put the life and death consequences of good leadership on display. Time and time again, we've seen that women leaders stand strong in the face of challenges. Women are stepping forward with creativity, compassion, using their courage to encourage others, their bold ideas to embolden communities, and their voices, positions, and power to empower us all. That's why we're celebrating their power, potential, and purpose. In our new book, Vital Voices, 100 Women Using Their Power to Empower, and bringing their stories to life on this podcast. In this series, we're speaking with women leaders about their journeys, their lessons learned along the way, and their thoughts on leadership and the path forward. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Elise Nelson. Today, I'm honored to be joined by Vital Voices Engaged Fellow and the new president of the Council of Ministers in Peru's interim government, Violeta Bermudez. Violeta is a lawyer, professor, politician, and activist who built a career with a keen eye on democracy, human rights, and good governance. She's held numerous key roles within and around Peru's government, including serving as the Vice Minister of the Ministry of Women's Promotion and Human Development, and as the Director of USAID's Pro-Decentralization Project. She's been a staunch advocate for gender equality and a constitutional expert referred to as the RBG of Peru and a fierce feminist using her power to empower meaningful progress and change. Violetta, thank you so much for taking the time. I, I can only imagine how busy your schedule is, but all of us at Vital Voices are so proud to have the opportunity to sit down and, and talk with you and just so proud of the, the incredible work that you're doing. Thank you, you, Alice, and Vital Voices for all your support and for this uh, conversation. So just to start, I think a number of people joining may not have that sort of blow by blow of the, the, the political upheaval um, that's happening in Peru. Would you mind, you know, stepping back a bit and giving us an overview of, of the political situation there? Yes, uh, in Peru, the executive administration period is of five years. In 2016, we elected a president, but he resigned from the presidency following accusations of corruption in 2018. Since then, we had uh, the first vice president assuming the presidency of the Republic. However, he was vacated by the Congress on November 9 this year. That's the point of initiation of this, we can say, uh, transitional government, uh, because uh, at that time, the president of the Congress, uh, who was elected, uh, Mr. Francisco Sagasti, has assumed the uh, presidency of the Republic. Uh, this is a system, no, we have a, a presidential system when uh, we have a vacancy at the executive level, the president of Congress assume the administration. So at that time, uh, the, the president of Congress assumed uh, the, the presidency and called me to support him in conducting the, this new government that is a government 
of transition or a transitional government that will go until uh, July uh, 2021 because we are completing the period of these five years that I mentioned initially. So I know that, that obviously you were tapped to basically be the country's interim prime minister. What does that mean to you? I mean, coming into the role, which I'm sure is, you know, in so many ways, a dream job, but you're coming in at a time of, of so much instability, so much weight on your shoulders. How are you thinking about the job? Well, as this is a transitional government, we need to focus in some uh, concrete topics. We will have national elections on April, on April of next year. So we are focusing in guarantee that these elections could be elections, uh, democratic elections, but also with the uh, principle of neutrality of, the, of all the executive branch. Now, it's very important because our president is a member of a political party that is represented at Congress and that has a candidate for the new elections. I think this is a big challenge because uh, we have a, a very critical environment. There are a lot of controversy about uh, the participation of a president. No, uh, he, was, uh, he was a member of the presidential list, but he has resigned to that. But he continues in the list because uh, a problem at the electoral, at the electoral legislation. No? So this is a big challenge that we need to face. And also the response to the pandemic. We need to prepare ourselves for uh, organizing all the process of vaccination and continue providing support to the people that is infected by the coronavirus. Mm. So I'd love to talk about your background and the incredible experiences that you've had that I think have really prepared you for this, this responsibility and background in good governance, fighting for decentralization, human rights, women's rights. Why is all of that sort of the, the perfect formula? And as I mentioned before, you are, you are often referred to as the RBG or Ruth Bader Ginsburg of, of Peru. So how has that really enabled you to step up in this, in this time of crisis to right the ship as it were? Mm -hmm. uh, the, uh, the president of the Council of Ministers is after the president, the authorized spokespersons for the government, no? and has the responsibility to coordinate the functions of all the ministers and also is responsible for intergovernmental relations, that is to coordinate with regional and local governments. So my experience in decentralization process has definitely giving me the tools for these intergovernmental relations, coordinations, but also to uh, articulate and coordinate the work among all the ministers. We have 17 ministers in Peru, and two of them are very connected with my experience, with my previous experience. One of them is the, minister, uh, the Ministry of Women, um, Vulnerable People, and the other one, those, uh, the one related to, um, 
social policies, no? the programs that support uh, people that are living in poverty. And at this time, this ministry is, very, is a key one to support all people that had uh, lost all, all their jobs and that had uh, increased their problems, economic problems because of the pandemic. Well, certainly when we look around the world, we see a number of women rising to positions to right the ship or in positions where they are leading a country and, and really have led through the coronavirus um, and, and, and are in a much better position than many other countries, including my own, of course. Um, do you think that this time, 2020, the crisis that we've been in, do you think it has shown people that women tend to lead differently with greater compassion, with empathy, with collaboration, with listening, um, you know, with, with purpose. Do you think it has shown people that women lead differently and that that difference is quite frankly, desperately needed in our world to solve many of the challenges, uh, obviously not least among them, the getting through and getting back on track in terms of the incredible um, economic upheaval. Mm -hmm. I think historically, when there are crises in the countries, women have emerged as a strong power. If you think in the international wars, women supported a lot their governments, their countries, and when we have economic crisis or political crisis, women are always supporting the changes, the uh, come back to democracy when there is some kind of authoritarianism. Uh, but this, I think this century provides a new scenario for women because uh, the majority of women are well prepared in terms of um, knowing uh, professional expertise. And I think women are more educated if we compare with the last century and uh, women have, uh, have demonstrated that we have the experience and the power to uh, make some changes. No, we, women are always proposing changes, are participating in the public mobilizations, and are also participating in political processes. For example, in Peru, at the, in the political parties, we have almost 50% of women that are members, active members of the political parties. So I think it is uh, impossible to ignore the the role of women at the democracies and uh, I think the coronavirus has, uh, um, has um, how can I say, has demonstrated that we need all people, men and women, to find solutions. And maybe that is a good environment that uh, can be used for us to show that we are well prepared to participate in making decisions at any level. Mm. As I mentioned earlier, you were deeply engaged in the decentralization process there in Peru. And I know certainly from my experience traveling throughout the country, working with women leaders across Peru, Peru particularly civil society leaders in those local communities, one of the things that, that, that I found to be 
so inspiring is so many of those community leaders realizing they were doing more to keep their communities together than their local officials. And in the process of decentralization decided I'm going to stand up for, for, for a local government position because you know I do more for my community through my nonprofit or community organization than, than those elected officials do. Did you see that? Did you see a shift in terms of a rise of women in positions of leadership with the decentralization process? The decentralization provides opportunity uh, for women to participate in the official power. Because in, in Peru, since 1997, we have a quota provision, a quota legislation. And now, uh, last, year, last year, no, this year, they have approved the parity legislation. So uh, now that we have regional and local governments, women can participate in equal, uh, with equal opportunities as men. So these leader that leaders, women leaders that were working in their social organizations, no, in their committees, now have the opportunity to have a um, uh, one step, uh, one step in the political arena. So uh, this is possible because the decentralizations, the decentralizations process provided opportunity to have authorities at the regional and at the local levels. With the centralization, uh, we had only the authorities at the the authorities at the national level. So for those women at the provinces or the communities or living at the communities there were there were no opportunities for them to participate before mm, absolutely i would also imagine quite frankly violetta that you know representation matters i know you're not the first woman to serve in this position but quite frankly the more women serve in senior the most senior level positions in the, in the government the more it becomes the norm the more it becomes acceptable. I remember um, talking to Jenny Shipley, who was one of the great uh, mentors as part of the VV Engage program, one of the, the programs that, that with well, the program that I know you participated in. And one of the things that she said is that, you know, serving as the first is very difficult because they compare you or expect you to be just like a man. The second, they compare you to the first. But by the time the third comes around, which of course, uh, Jacinda Ardern, the current, um, the current prime minister uh, in New Zealand is, um, you know, it's, it's you, you can chart your own course, you can authentically lead, you can bring those traits that women bring, right, of, of collaboration, of empathy, of, you know, of compassion um, for the people. And, and we've certainly seen her lead through the crisis in that way. And and other crises that came before that, when they had that terrible um, terrorist attack, um, I guess two years ago now. And just thinking about that, um, and, and obviously the work that you have done in the space of women's leadership, I know that you, like I, 25 years ago, traveled to Beijing, China, and participated in the UN Fourth World Conference on Women. Um, and, and you have been a staunch advocate for a gender-balanced cabinet and have moved quickly to ensure and really kind of use your leadership to make space for others. Um, so I, I, I first commend you for that. How do you see that as not just sort of the nice thing to do or maybe the fair thing to do, but the smart thing to do? Why do you believe that it's smart to have 
that 50-50 men and women working together? Well, first of all, because it is, I think it is something of justice, you know, uh, women have been excluded historically from the decision-making processes, but also it is something to show to the, all the society that men and women could contribute with our democracy, with our development. And in this case, as soon as I assume the position, for example, I propose the president uh, to nominate uh, one minister, minister, minister of defense. This area, not to work with the military, has never been leaded by a woman. And he agreed with me and told me it is important to show that any, ch any children uh, could understand in the future, now in the present and in the future, that women and men can participate in any place of power. So we have now a women uh, leading the Ministry of Defense, no? where all the participants or the majority of them in the high level positions are men. Wow, that is, that is fantastic. I, I look forward to the day when when we here in the United States will have a, a Secretary of Defense. It hasn't happened yet, but I, I am hopeful for the future because as you've seen, we've, we've broken through some, some glass ceilings of our own with the Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, um, which is very exciting for us. And I think quite frankly, for women around the world, anytime we have a, a win somewhere, it obviously has a, has a, has a ripple effect in other places of just normalizing, as you say, you know, women being able to, to lead and have power in any sector, in any space, in any position. Um, as I mentioned, you are a member of our first EV Engage cohort, um, a fellowship for women who are really making and shaping policy around the world. And in that fellowship, you were actually mentored by the former Peruvian Prime Minister, Beatriz Marino. And um, you've stayed in touch, I understand, and, and certainly you've stayed in touch with uh, the other women leaders from the program. Was having that mentoring experience with, with her, um, and obviously having the, the sort of peer mentoring of the network, was that important to your leadership trajectory? In what ways has that network been supportive, particularly now in this difficult time where we all are so isolated and obviously leadership, particularly in a position like yours, is very lonely. Yeah. Yes. Uh, participating in the VV Engage program for me really was very important. I'm not sure if, if I wouldn't participate on that, if, if I would accept the proposition because at, at the, the beginning when I heard the, the invitation, I, I thought I am well prepared to assume this responsibility and I had a, something like a flashback, what I have done in my life, uh, in my professional life. Um, the, the, the Vital Voices program became immediately, and I remind all the, all the learnings that I obtained from that program. I thought at that time in, my, in the strengthening of my leadership skills, in the, the workshops of political communication or the workshops of conflict management and others. And all the 
I think the community that we form with the with the leaders that I knew that I met I met uh, during the the program. No, this uh, network of women leaders, uh, I think uh, they are a, a very strong support for me. I especially I'm very well connected with those of Latin America because we have uh, the same. Uh, reality the same problems in our or similar we have similar problems in our countries and i am in contact with them i think every day or every two days no uh, and, and i receive a lot of support from them with Patrice marino uh, you know i i work with her when she was the prime minister of peru she was the first one i am the fifth and as soon as I uh, I was designated, she called me. We talk a lot. She provided me some uh, advice, advising, and I I see I I I realized that I have her support if I need it. And uh, something additional is this community. You know that this community, this network of women leaders that I know that I have if i need some kind of not only some kind of advisor but also some kind of emotional support because we have days that are very good but there are others that are that aren't wow that's so inspiring to hear and i have to say what was so beautiful violetta is that I know that you shared the news out to the WhatsApp group of all of the, the, the cohort uh, that you were part of with the VV Engage Fellowship. And it was like a lightning bolt of, of pride and joy, an outpouring, I think, of just support uh, for you from around the world. Um, so just know that, that all of us were, were tuning in and, and, uh, and so proud to see you being sworn in. Um, so really, congratulations. And uh, it's wonderful to hear that uh, Beatrice is still a, a, a great mentor to you. Let me ask you one more question, and then I know you've, you've got to go on to, to, to your next, <laughs> um, obviously, very busy schedule. How do you think about power and the power that you have in this role or in past roles? And how do you feel you use that as a leader to empower others? Well, I see power as the opportunity to do something for my country, to change. I, we have a, a very short time to work. We are only a transitional government, but I think it is an opportunity to identify some key important policies for our countries and to obtain concrete results to make changes. Uh, I. I am very conscious that I am now a public person. And I am sure that every word that I say in the media, for example, will be uh, understood by people uh, depending on what they want to hear. But I think that I can make some kind of political practice that can show that dialogue, that uh, making consensus and being consensus and also uh, 
define, defining a common agenda could contribute to have a better country, to have a better uh, political scenario, to uh, reinforce, to reinforce what is a well democracy for Peru, a healthy democracy for Peru. So if I can finish my work in July, I hope, because here we never, we never know how long will be your, your time to be in power. Uh, if we can finish until July, uh, I would like to transfer with the president, to transfer the administrations with new basic roles that have dialogue as the basic of building a democracy. Wow, well, what a pleasure um, to speak with you. And I am sending the very best of luck um, for all that is ahead. And please know that we are here to support you in any way we can. Thank you, Alice. It was wonderful to talk with you. And thank you to Vital Voices. For me, it was very important to take this uh, responsibility now. Wonderful, wonderful. Thanks for listening to this special edition of the Vital Voices podcast. If you'd like to support our work with women leaders who use their power to empower others, you can donate to Vital Voices on our website at vitalvoices.org, or you can text VITAL to 41444. That's VITAL to 41444. See you next week.